the Incomparable Podcast, number 60, October 2011. Welcome back to the Incomparable. Uh, we have been, for this whole season of the BBC's Doctor Who, we've been taking time every few weeks to talk about the latest episodes, and now we have reached the end. The last episodes of this sixth season of the relaunch Doctor Who have come and gone, and so we're going to talk about uh, the last few episodes, which we haven't had a chance to chat about yet, and also the season as a whole. Joining me to discuss this, well, I should say, I'm Jason Snell, the host of The Incomparable. Joining me to discuss that this, my um, lovely and talented panelist, Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. I am a panelist. Thank you. And lovely and or talented. John Syracusa. Hi, John. Hello, Jason. Dan Morin. Hello, Dan. Hi, Jason. Can you tell me what all these black tick marks on my arms mean? Uh, I'll explain later. And Scott McNulty, welcome to the podcast yet again. Hello. Hello. Also joining me tonight is Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello, Jason. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. So the season the season is over. I know we haven't talked about the last what three episodes. So we've got uh, we've got some of that to talk about. The finale uh, aired this past week. Um, I guess uh, where to where to start? I I, I think I want to start with the finale. Maybe we can backtrack a little bit. Um, Back in time. It, interesting. We can yes we can do this in a non-linear sequence of time because time's like that. Um, uh, interesting that this was a single episode, not a two-part blowout season finale like they've had in the past. Um, the Wedding of River Song, as it was called. Um, and the, I, I watched it a couple of times, because the first time I watched it, I I, um, I liked parts of it, but I was also sort of caught up in sort of what the resolution of the plot was going to be. And uh, I watched it a second time and actually liked it a great deal more than I did the first time, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I did think it was kind of a strange episode. Um, and I'm just sort of curious to start out. Uh, what did you guys think of the of the finale? Well, I was happy to see the return of my favorite character, of course. I know it's ridiculous, but I like seeing Dorium. I just love that actor, and I love the role, and it's so ridiculous. Or Dorium Maldivar. Did anybody Dorium get the, the Jambi the Genie from the Pee Wee Herman <laughs> show thing going there? Oh, Blue head like a high, like a hiney ho, yes. Yeah, I love Maldivar, and he was hilarious, even when he was just a head in a box. Very Futurama, too, Glenn, so it really... Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. But it it was a good thing. It it signaled, the the thing that it signaled, I think, was that this wasn't going to be a Daleks kill everybody, despite how the episode opened. This wasn't going to be a Daleks kill everybody, Cybermen creepy, everyone dies, the Doctor loses a companion, horrible sort of thing, even though it's about the Doctor's death. It opens with, pretty much, I mean, shortly in, you get a, a crazy game of electric electrocution chess and then which <laughs> was great with an yeah, which, I know, which was a great guy out of a dungeons and dragons ad uh from 1973 and uh and then you get a blue head in a box that um speaks in a marvelous sydney greenstreet tone and so you know this is going to be more of a lark than um something that makes you freak out and so i mean you know you can contrast that with uh the episodes in which um which i think all involved daleks or something like it in which david tennant's regeneration happened the season finales and different seasons the ones where um our favorite where donna noble gets uh sort of her memory wiped and it's like this is a different kind of thing i would say well, it's interesting because Stephen Moffat, I think, is deliberate. You know, he's very carefully established his own continuity and his own storylines going on. And I think in a way that 
you know, Russell T. Davies with the first few seasons, he very much tried to bring back or build on all the pre-existing mythology. So hence we having, you know, these climaxes that involve Daleks and Cybermen and stuff that, you know, were, were long running pieces of the Doctor Who mythology. And now we have this interesting, you know, continuity that, that Stephen Moffat has created. And I was thinking that the, uh, the beginning, at least, of this finale reminded me a lot of the episode to which it's kind of a spiritual successor, which is The Good Man Goes to War, the half-season uh, cliffhanger. It has the same sort of pacing in that beginning, right, where he's going to all these different places and sort of recruiting, you know, different people and different seeing different parts of his life and talking about different people he's known. And there are a few references thrown in, of course, to the prior continuity as well. But they're not the centerpiece, right? There's They're sort of garnishing on this story that we've been following this entire season, which is you know, the doctor's death. And so I think that it's very, it was, it was a nice one. It was a nice uh, conclusion or it was a nice piece of this arc in that it, it, it pays homage to all the stuff that came before it without, while not making that the like raison d'etre for this episode. Like let's, let's resurrect yet another classic doctor who enemy. I see that Scott. What, what about you? Well, uh, I thought that, you know, everyone, you're watching this episode, right, and you know the Doctor is not going to die at the end. So that right. kind of takes the whole dramatic force from the episode well, Does it? Uh, does it, or is it, is it, is it... Well, you you want to see how he does it, though, right? Like, that's the thing with the Doctor, right? They make it so obvious within, like, the first ten minutes of how he's going to do it. They might, I, He might as well have just winked when he said, when the guy said, if there's anything else we could do for you. Oh, okay. well, good, good for you because I didn't. I didn't, I, spot I, didn't, I, I, didn't see I, I was still either. on my theory of the flesh from you know the, uh, earlier in the season. Oh, the flesh doctor, you're being you're being distracted by your earlier theories because that was really telegraphed. Do you think so? I don't. I don't think so. I when that happened, I turned to my wife and I said, "Well, there goes the flesh theory." Well, no, now here's my problem still in the context of the episode is I think this is a, it's not a continuity error, but the doctor has regeneration energy. They showed it clearly. So how did the robot create it? I mean, I thought about that regeneration. I thought about it. Why not? I mean, I guess so. The special effects people on Doctor Who in the year 2011 can fake it. So why wouldn't the, why couldn't the Tesselecta be able to do it? I suppose so. In a robot. uh, Yeah. So go ahead, Scott. Sorry. I just wanted to, you know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't see that one coming, I guess, because I was so far into so many other different theories that uh, the thing that was right in front of me, I just had never considered that that was going to be the, the way out. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I, I had no theory. So, you know, I, I was I wonder how he's going to do it. And then uh, that wonder went away almost immediately. And I was like, well, OK, um, that was my disappointed acknowledgement of how he was going to do it. Uh, but I mean, it was a fun episode, but uh, I don't know. It just kind of the whole I think the the dramatic it, it lacked gravitas, I guess, or something for me. I I just didn't see the point of it because I already knew how he was he was not going to die, so there was no point in I I didn't know what the point of the episode was because it just seemed to make the whole arc ring a little hollow for me. All right, John, how about you? I think you guys know my usual complaint about Doctor Who is that they they can't agree on the rules of the universe and they like to play fast and loose with everything, which is fine, whatever. That's what they want to do. Uh, but they made this finale hinge on these poorly defined universe rules because, like, the whole season leading up, though, he's going to die. It's a fixed point. It's a fixed point is supposed to mean anything. You could you could put, substitute two other words for fixed point, and it would be equally meaningful for the degree that they explained it. So they're very adamant that, like, oh, you can't, you know, this is for some reason 
the script. This is a fixed point, and we can't change this one, so you're going to die, even though you have a time machine and you're all powerful, blah, 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 just accept it. And of course, this episode, the turn in this episode is, guess what? It's not really a fixed point, because River Song can freeze time, and then time will be destroyed, and then blah, blah, blah. Look, I, I don't know, I just... See, that, that that didn't bother me, because the whole... I... I think the whole idea there is that fixed point means you can't change it. And the answer is, well, what happens if you try? And the answer is bad things happen and it doesn't work. But they change it. He doesn't die. Well, no, they don't change it. They don't change it. He's there. He does all the things that happen are supposed to happen. Uh, no one's it, checking it, his it, pulse. I, I considered it a cheat. Right, but if that's what always, I don't know. That's what always happened, though. I mean, argue, arguing that there's a time thing, and I don't think it's the central point of the episode, anyways. Right? Isn't the central point of the episode about the like the choices and the characters and the, the what their decisions are making? I know, but, but I but then don't hang your episode. I don't care that you have poorly defined universe rules if you don't try to hang your plot points off of those poorly defined rules. Like if you're going to have poorly defined rules, let them not get in the way of your plot, but don't make them the cornerstone of your plot. I mean, presumably there will be another season of the show with Matt Smith. And presumably the rest of the universe will realize, huh, that doctor that we thought we killed, look, here he is alive. Time, you know, time, this has already all happened. It's not like we're, it's not sequential. But here we are with the records of the universe saying the doctor died. Well, he clearly didn't die. Some robot thing that he was inside got blown up, but he's fine. No, no, but that that implies a certain superposition knowledge, though, which is that <laughs> it's never, I think in the mythology of the show, there's an issue about how much he's perceiving time sequentially, although he supposedly has sort of, sort of extra spatial knowledge of it, but his own timeline is sequential as is, and his, his necessity to access it is often sequential across how he hops, and for other people to know that he's dead, like he's not dead in the universe. He's not removed from the universe as with the uh, previous season thing. It's not like he's been erased. It's more like uh, at some point the doctor dies, here's the date of his death, but they don't exactly, no one's keeping track of precisely at what point in the timeline he is. And I yeah, think that's well, consistent I, because I, we know, the doctor, of course, is dying across all in time and space all the time in various incarnations, and no one makes a big deal about the Tom Baker. I have many more complaints about this episode. Would <laughs> <laughs> you have a list of grievances you so, would like to air? I do, I do. So I that complaint... I'm gonna I'm gonna reject that complaint because I think I think, <laughs> I, I think you're wrong. Try again. Incorrect, sir. You, you know you're saying well, but he didn't die, and the, the whole point of the fixed point in time is is you can't change it, and so how well what would happen if you tried? And the answer is you would destroy everything, and the fabric of the universe would start to come apart, and that's what he tells River is you got to do this. You know you can't not do this. This is a fixed point. That it, it's a cheat in the sense that. The obvious one, which is, of course, he's not going to die. There's going to be some way where he gets out of it. But she still shoots him. They still put his body on the thing and put the gasoline on it and set it on fire and cast it adrift in the lake. The only difference is now we know that it's the Tesselecta and he, you know, and he's inside and it doesn't even affect the thing. So there's a cheat there, but it's not a cheat to the to the rules of the universe. I think. I think that I think it's faithful to the rules. I think they would not have records of him dying. Here's how they could have made it not a cheat. Don't show that. Don't show that someone in the universe thinks that this is the time that the doctor died. Not that these events happened, but this is the time that the doctor died. They never showed that, and I don't think there was a reason to show that because we as the audience believe he died. He gets lit on fire. Everyone could talk about him dying. Don't have the all knowing we are the police of time and we go inside these little robots. People don't have them have a record in their official files of him dying because if, for, there's no point in that and it, it undercuts their... I mean, what if they were complicit? What if they agreed to keep... You know, obviously yeah, they well, were, right? They agreed put, to keep a secret and uh, permeate that yeah, record. And this is this is all Why about not? the doctor faking faking his death, essentially, because everybody wants him dead so that he... And, and go back in the shadows, like he says. And I, I don't think... I also don't agree that this is something that next year you're going to see that this continuing sort of the way that it's always been. I think this is going to be 
a, a part of the recurring storyline is that he's trying to keep a, a low he's profile good. and not be famous. And I think this is also Stephen Moffat trying to undo some of the Russell Davies stuff of he's the oncoming storm. Everybody knows him. He can just say stop and everybody stops because they're afraid of him. I think I think this is actually also a way for them to try to get back to uh, stories where he's not famous, basically, right, around right. the And they also, they reset the clock. He's now 200 years older, and they're playing him older. Matt Smith, I mean, I don't think that's a subtle thing. In the, in the, uh, the episode, uh, previous episode with uh, our friend Craig, which I'm blanking out on the name of already, the um, closing, closing time. time. Closing time. Uh, closing time, he comes in, and he is clearly world-wearier. He's older. He's doing his valedictory thing. Um, he's not the David Tennant doc who spent a hundred years running around and cavorting with Queen Elizabeth and being hedonistic after the water of Mar- waters of Mars? Uh, but this is a different doctor. He's more serious, and he's two hundred years older. And I mean, I think that is part of resetting the universe: is that you have a doctor who's now like, all right, I've done that. I'm sick of that. We almost destroyed the universe again. And so uh, there's a point at which you know they've, they've also given us they've seeded the. Um, next plot point which are the fields of Trenzalore Ugh. and at some point that's going to you know come up I don't think that's a uh, uh, outside of the mythology and when we get to that it will be you know another season resolution and in that intervening time the doctor's going to be trying to keep his mouth shut and we'll see what happens that was my other problem with this episode story the, the, the question the oldest question known in the universe is Doctor Who <laughs> The universe yes. is only 900 years old, you know. I thought it was uh, Dr. What? Oh, but he has a time machine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been back to the beginning, you know. Remember when they went back and River the first message? message and... Hello, sweetie. As as silly as that is, I also don't mind it because it is, it, it, for me, it works on a on the meta level. of. I mean, the fact that it ends with him kind of walking through the dark uh, passageway oh, yeah. with Dorium's uh, head shouting, uh, Doctor Who! Doctor Who! And he smiles, Doctor. and that's the end. I mean, that's, that, that, you know, that because it, it is the whole suggestion that his name and who he really is is relevant in some way, and that 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 is, it was said, actually, in a line that I missed the first time I watched the episode, that, that the whole idea here is that that is something that once it's said... You know, these things happen, and that's what the silence is trying to stop by killing him. And the funny thing now is that, you know, the silence thinks they've succeeded, but they obviously haven't. Now, before we go back to John's list of grievances, I want to ask uh, uh, Serenity Caldwell what uh, she thought of the uh, season finale. You know, I actually, I I liked it. I, I was very entertained. Uh I'm frustrated that we have to wait a while to find out what comes next. But I thought it was, you know, in comparison to the last sort of half-part season finale, Good Man Goes to War, I actually think I prefer this one. Whereas Good Man Goes to War was very hectic and very, very much I felt like, oh, God, everything's happening at once. And wait, wait, new characters and 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 people and... <laughs> Everything happens at once in this episode, though. All history happens at once. <laughs> but it's calmer. Literally, as opposed to figuratively. Yes. Exactly. Everything literally happens at once in this episode, and yet it was easier to swallow because you knew from the start when they introduce cars flying and zeppelins and, and pterodactyls, and you're like, okay, this is obviously something is going wrong, and they will explain <laughs> it to us shortly, which they did. Uh, but the actual, but I felt the pacing was much, I liked the idea of the doctor basically going around in the beginning of this and 
and going to various things and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to tie up my loose ends told in flashback narrative, which I actually think I like the best. Where it's you know you have that you have that wonderful trope of the soothsayer telling the the story to the to the king or to the religious leaders. It was really cool to see them twist and play on that, and then having the the cabal of silence creatures do we what are, do we have a name for them other than silence creatures uh, the, yeah they're, they're the silence, silence and they're part of the silence yeah yeah i'm always happy i think i like corpulent actors too so i'm always happy to see ian mcneese who was a great character on on the british tv show chef i love him as winston churchill every time he appears i'm like oh good corpulent <laughs> actors so john there's another two words so we'll say it we'll say it this way that <laughs> moment that? on the lake doctor that's a corpulent actor in time and space. It can't be changed. <laughs> See, two, we stick two words. It oh, works. Dear. I thought I thought that scene with the two of them was was delightful with the where they're where they're fighting off the silence, but don't realize it. Yes, it's it appears that we are fighting something. Why do I have a gun? That's no. I I like the that narrative device, and I I I think there have been times when when Moffat has has played it a little too cute with the with the, his uh, his narrative uh, devices, but in this. Case, I actually enjoyed the whole Churchill and the doctor um, and him sort of backing through the story and occasionally yeah. interrupting for, you know, a moment of uh, understanding. Fine, of the as long as it's just a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that. And was then they look up. <laughs> Where did he get the pen? That's my question. <laughs> they, they always have markers on them. And again, I know yeah. the, yeah. they have no other numbering system other than <laughs> actually the, the continuity marks. thing that bothered me the most I would use binary. was the fact that. Um, so he doesn't, in fact, tell her his name when he whispers in Correct. her ear. And yet, when we first met Riversong, she tells him his name. It's it's later well, in his... Presumably. Presumably at some point in the future. He will. Yes. It will yes. come he out. Will. Yes. Yes. But I, I thought it would be funny if, if in fact, she, he had, she had just told him at that point, look in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> that that that, that would be funny. Maybe that is his name. I think the whole uh, you know he's gonna the silence will fall when the question is answered. I mean he is gonna say it and he is gonna that's gonna be his name and she is gonna hear it. Dope. And then, yeah, and we're then, going to know his name. And that's just Doctor Who. That's just out of sequence. But um, you know, I, I, my wife and I were talking about this because she liked the episode and um and uh, she won't be on the podcast so she sends her regards. But uh, oh. um, she she and I were talking about it and what I said was I feel like. I feel like um, this didn't provide me with all of the kind of logical resolution I would like from a, from a finale, but right. it did provide me much like last year, actually with an emotional resolution. I felt, I felt like, you know, the things that mattered to me in terms of the storytelling and the characters um, were all kind of ticked off at the end. I was like, yes, yes, that that's all good. Um, and I can, I can grope for, you know, plot things like why, you know, why build a, a an Apollo spacesuit and deploy it to kill somebody in the water in 2011? I don't know why that is. Why did the TARDIS blow up last season? Are we ever going to hear that or was are we just going to forget about that? Because it's it, it was so long ago now that does anybody even remember that it happened? You know, stuff like that was unsatisfying in a way. But the stuff that, you know, about the characters and all of that were much more satisfying, I thought. I, I think there's a great thing too, though, is that we have to enjoy uh, the. I would say this is satisfying is when the silence. Um, this reminds me of the uh, the thing they say to Rory. They're like, 
Rory Williams, who dies over I, and I over again. And I'm like, this is. But he doesn't die. Com- yeah, no, this is as good as the comic makes- relief in the uh, in the two parter. I'm blanking out in the names where the Daleks steal the Earth and uh, Davros the is stolen going Earth. to uh, the yes. stolen Earth. Thank you. And and <laughs> the Prime Minister says, "I'm uh, what's her name? Um, Harriet I'm, Jones. I'm Harriet, I'm yes, Harriet we Jones. Know who you are? Former, yes, yes, we know who you are." Best comic relief moment, the silence uh, since that moment. Also, we got <laughs> we got um, Pond, Amelia Pond, <laughs> this time, which was great. And I, I will it's... say, just to just to point this out, and I'll see if the gentlemen on the panel agree with me. She looks great in an eye patch. Amy Pond looking about as good as she has ever looked. Hamana, uh, hamana, yeah. hamana. I concur. Yeah, I didn't um, like the eye patch. I, I well, she takes it off what? and then she's very nicely uh, put on all of her makeup under her eye patch, even though yeah. she was presumably thinking if if you see under my eye patch, well, we're all dead and everything. Is she's new. a, I mean, but she's a model, right? She's got to think. She's always thinking. She's, she's prepared. always prepared. That's right, Scott. You know Clearly. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Well, I, I loved I loved the the rapport between her and Rory. I loved the the drawing of him. With the doctor yes. cracking up about it, that was great. I love the after she saves Rory. We should have a drink sometime and get married. Get married. Yeah, okay. No, the moments. I mean, that's the other thing about this episode, right? Is the moments in this episode are all, I think, great. I, I, I think the only the only moment that I don't that doesn't work for me is the wedding on the roof of the yeah. pyramid. It's a little odd because why yeah. why was it necessary? And yeah, it yeah, they don't really forced. explain that. Why does she, she summon help for the rest of the universe, but they didn't do anything except send text messages to the sun? <laughs> Saying, we'll miss you. Goodbye. <laughs> BT Dub would love to be there and busy. Sorry. Yeah. Doctor, we send our best. Thanks for good luck, everything. Good luck with now this. Now go die. Happy death day. Love everyone. Everyone. <laughs> the, the, there was what? Doctor oh. who? <laughs> His point, I mean, the point was River trying to show him how important he was and that he That's couldn't true. just walk into this and die. That's right. All your friends don't want to help you, but you're really important. And the entire universe <laughs> is almost completely destroyed because of a misunderstanding, right? Because it's really the doctor saying, Rifford, no, seriously, go ahead and kill me. Seriously. All right, I'll tell you. Go ahead. It's not me. True. She's being very immature in this section. And I think it's funny because I think he keeps on trying to tell her, you know, he's like, I'm disappointed in you. This was a bad idea. And she keeps on looking at him with lovey-dovey eyes and look, well, I did this all. It's young this River, is, right? this is younger River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I know. They did that well when she's with her parents and she's acting like she's about 14 years old at the end. And I thought, oh, she's pitching this just right. She's acting like a teenager. She may be in a 40 something year old woman's body, but she's she's perfectly like mom, daddy, mommy needs a drink. How great was that the realization for Amy that she is the doctor's mother in law? If nothing else, yes. the, weather fo- the wedding fallout, that moment oh, was priceless. <laughs> Oh, the it's look great. on her face. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like the doctor kind of had to marry her to get her to agree to do anything, which was a weird kind of. It was a weird plot device. That's how and... I got married, but oh, I said too much. <laughs> uh... But the universe is okay. It was worth it. They're not really married, though, right? Because it isn't. I was there. An old man the... said, "Man, wife." That's but right. That isn't man the part... and wife. <laughs> the I part of the whole mom. time lord thing is you have to tell your name, and he didn't do that. So, which is funny because I I read somewhere that someone complaining about the fact that well, you know, she's trying to River justifies Amy not being a murderer because it was in a different timeline that never happened, and yet she still claims she's married. However, I think <laughs> agreeing with Glenn's point, agreeing with Glenn's point that she's you know this is not. 
there's nothing wrong with that like right of course it's irrational i think it's it's willfully irrational because she is a teenager it's like well yeah okay but the things that matter are still true (laughs) i get to kiss him uh john before we move on and talk about the rest of the season and the other couple of episodes uh would you like to unload a few more of your things that you didn't (laughs) like rapid fire like like you're firing a machine gun at a bunch of silence i'll try to do some quick ones uh so the wedding ceremony that we just discussed uh they have the scene where she's where he's like, "Well, you know, the whole universe is going to be destroyed. Is it worth it? Whatever her her ultimatum thing." And she goes, "Yes, yes, yes it is." Like Which, a path. like so. Pre- previously, <laughs> they had they had had River in their relationship, kind of like there was this unseen depth where it was all off camera. We didn't know we we hadn't been privy to this information. You know that we knew they met each other and they had this romance or something, but we never saw it. But at this point, we've seen them interact at so many different stages in their timeline that and. I was still not sold on this great love that we're supposed to say, yes, they have the conjugal visits in jail repeatedly or whatever, you know, that they hinted at. There's still stuff off camera that we're not seeing. But when did this relationship form between them that's romantic? I get more of a romantic vibe from, from Rory and Amy than I do from those. Not right. that I'm saying that they they did a bad job or it wasn't well scripted, but you can't sell the season ending moment on, I love you so much, I'm willing to destroy the universe. Well, sorry, you didn't, you didn't, uh, convince me of that i didn't i didn't find that well it's an obsession isn't it it's i mean right it's, she's been indoctrinated basically right <laughs> she's been indoctrinated to kill the doctor and then it swaps over basically once he frees her in i apologies that was inadvertent yes i thought they were yes. trying to pay it more sincere than that but I, I don't know so that that did not ring true for me also where is she in the sequence of the relationship right i think it's early so she's sort of they've they're going to grow in that relationship uh, so it's always off camera. We never get to see that romance. It's just always assumed to be happening. Well, we may see it in the future. Well, I mean, you're not going to have a full episode of Rory. I mean, like, really? <laughs> they, they had a full two, two full seasons of Rory. We got the, the doctor's wife was as close as we got that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I other than the fact that I don't think Alex Kingston was interested because she's got a she's got a, a daughter in the U.S., um, you know they could they could put her in the show for a year and and be like, see, now we'll get those adventures. But I don't think they ever will. I think she will always. This is what River Song is made for. She pops in and and there's a lot of stuff that's sort of off camera that you just have to take on faith. And all right, John, what else? What else you got for uh, us? So usually they have at the end of the seasons they like to put the universe or at the very least the Earth in peril. That's their thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and this new thing. So this time, I thought it was an interesting idea to say we're going to put the Doctor in peril it's not the universe it's not the earth it's just the doctor like it's a personal story about him it's his crisis right but they still have to go on to say well like well it's not just the doctor because if the doctor goes away that puts the universe in peril because the universe needs the doctor can't they just have it as a nice season about him personally yeah. is that not enough at stake they uh, I, I thought they waffled on that I, I hear you i hear you on that um and that that actually is something that i thought which is it's actually a similar structure to last season's finale where there's kind of an alternate universe that's created because weird time things and people are in there and then it has to get fixed the the difference though this time which i thought was funny and there's a nice moment where this comes up is where they're talking about what's wrong and the doctor says it's because i'm alive so the universe is broken now because he hasn't died not right. because he has and that's that's a nice twist because you're right they how many times have they done the you know we've got to save the doctor to save the universe and now it's like no you've got to kill the doctor and they probably could have done more with that, right? I mean, he, he, you know, they're, they're, but, you know, it, they, sure, they could have gone a different way with it. But, but I did think that was interesting, even though it did seem a little bit reminiscent of the Big Bang from last year with the whole alternate history 
thing. It was nice to see Charles Dickens again, though, plugging his book on the BBC Morning Show. Yeah. Meredith Vieira. Yes. Yeah, that yes. was weird. Of all people. Well, she was, she was there with the Today Show, and they did, like, a thing from the set, and so they put her in the episode, apparently. Well, it's the same way we don't know who these British celebrities are. They don't know who are. Right, the guys interviewing Charles Dickens, for example. And or, that you know, is a great segue into Closing Time, the previous episode, uh-huh. which stars James Corden back as Craig from The Lodger, which Love was one him. of my favorite episodes of last season. Oh. And my understanding – see, we're a bunch of Americans here – my understanding is that James Corden, who's got a famous popular sitcom, I guess, in the UK, and lots of people really hate him uh, because they don't like his show. And, oh, and I have yeah. no idea what else he's done, but I love him and the, as Craig and the rapport with, with Matt Smith. He's delightful. This whole episode was delightful. He is a delight. Oh, he's so adorable. And it shows, once again, that the Cybermen are the worst villains in Doctor Who. <laughs> and they know yes. it. Hush. They're pretty yeah. bad. And they know it, right? I mean, that's the thing about this episode is that it's like, well, we got a comedy episode. and we Cybermen kind of look scary, but they're useless. So we'll just have them be useless. It's like, all right, I guess you're... I mean, the scariest villain in the episode was the little, like, cyber little rat, rat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the cyber mouth. rat with teeth. <laughs> Real mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Poorly composited. Real mouth. I like to call him Bitey. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> this whole episode was great. The the doctor's rapport with Craig is awesome. I love the, the first scene with, ah, I'm back. You've redecorated, I see. I don't like it. <laughs> We've moved. We it's moved. a new house. <laughs> the previous pitch episode, the pitch, the Fantasy League pitch episode, I've got to say, there's parts of this that's like, the doctor and Craig, they live together and it's great. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, like, it's like you're seeing like a sitcom that could do a 22-minute version of this every week fighting pantomime villains. That would be an enjoyable sitcom to watch, I have to admit. They call it the Pantomime Doctor Show. I speak baby, by the way. Right. That, yes. well, did, of course you do. Did they allude That's to that before? That's a callback. Yep. Yeah, there was a, mess, there was a mention to it earlier. I can't remember when, but I swear. Well, with Melody Pond, right? Yeah, Melody Pond, right, in uh, Good Man Goes to War. Right, right. Stormy. Yeah. Stormy. 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 I love that. I love the, I love the shh. Oh, yeah, he could yes. shush up lower life forms. <laughs> humans. Lovely. Well, I mean, no, no, not, not all of them, just certain ones. I mean, I like that it works on Craig in particular, right? right? But just once. Um, <laughs> that it doesn't, that works a bunch of times. I love, actually, one of the things that I love about that. See, now that's an episode where, the, again, the sci-fi plot is really not um, necessary. It's there. To, <laughs> there are aspects of bad there, Santa to this. Right. It's there to be there, but um, some of the, it's just funny and sweet, and there's some moments that are really nice, and I love I love the fact that the doctor gets a job at the department store. Boy, and he, also by the way, with a name tag that says the doctor. Don't, don't hire, yes. don't hire the doctor because that people will die. But um, that everybody who works at the department store loves him, and as soon as they find <laughs> out that Craig like, knows the doctor, doctor, oh, you're fine. They wait. It's like, how does he do that? It's his power. Craig trying to get information was oh just the funniest because you could see he was being very earnest, but at the same time, so creepy. Look at my baby. Isn't he cute? Every time I picture this episode in my mind, I see Andy Richter instead of whoever this Craig is. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Absolutely. You could do it. Inter- interchangeable. I have, mapped, I have mapped an American celebrity out there. He's a little more sad sack than, than Andy Richter. Yeah. But same yes, but now look. I can't get that image out of my head. Thanks, John. Wow. See, and, and this is a case where I'm not going to complain about the stupid Cyberman plot because it was so clearly not important to the episode. Yeah. In fact, I would have liked it if they removed that plot. You're not like going to complain about the fact that the doctor says the ship is containing the explosion when they clearly show the explosion happening uh, outside the ship? <laughs> the fact that they think there's a ship or why was it under there is just... It, it's buried it's in immaterial. the ground and saved Plus, by the power hey, of love. Love conquers all. So, so power yes, of love. It's that, just cute. 
this is a Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis was in this episode? Yes. Yeah. The, the Saved by Love, I, I, what I like about that, and it's something that Doctor Who has done, going back to the first episode of the reboot with the, uh, how do we kill the being of living plastic? Well, you just use anti-plastic. Um, th- this was like that, where the Doctor says, well, no, you didn't really save him with love. There, it's very, it's much more technical. Uh, never mind. Yeah, sure. You saved him with love. I love that, because it's it's the show saying, it's really not important. It, sure, we'll just, yes, it was love. Whatever. Well, it goes you back know? to this whole Stephen Moffat run being more of a fairy tale than science fiction, right? right? The, mm. the logic is not as important, or the science fiction aspects are not as important as they were in previous iterations. Sure, sure. And, but, and I like that. And I like the, the fact, to, as John said, the Cybermen are in it. You know, the ship kind of looks cool. And they got to reuse the set, I think, from A Good Man Goes to War, right? And just dirty it up. And and they're pointless. And so they're they're used just as, as much. There's, there's the funny, they get the funny scene where he has Craig not turn around because they've teleported out of the elevator and into the cyber ship. <laughs> you know, I'm in love okay. with you. <laughs> that's what they're, yeah. That's a good use of the cyber. Well, and Craig's interested. That's the great part. Craig is tempted. He's like, Really? Well, no, I can't. I'm taken. Yeah. <laughs> that was even better. The doctor was so appalled. awesome, but no. He wasn't appalled or surprised. Um, I thought the biggest problem with this episode is really Night Terrors, was, which we all sort of, well, I don't know if we all hated. I did not like Night Terrors very much. I was, I was the I alone liked, defender. I yeah. Think. yeah. I, I sort of liked it. It had, but it was like it was about 10 minutes of a longer episode that they ran to 44. In this case, you had the closing time was probably the, the complete realization of it. Three-dimensional characters. You care about the baby. You care about Craig. There's a, a laughable threat, but it's still Craig has to defend himself. He has to, you, you know, um, uh, be a father and step into the role and so forth. And it was very, very funny, too. I so, had one issue with this episode. And yes. it was, I thought the... the I Amy think you pa- could have been in the Craig role, too, I, I I do I am a husky fellow, so I, I could have uh, stepped in. Should should no one else be uh, you know available? Yeah, but how do you wear, how do you wear a baby? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I very carefully. I, exactly. I don't think I can. Ask delicious. But I thought the the so it was only like you know a minute, but of having Amy and Rory in the department store, and then having apparently Amy being the spokesperson for a perfume Pe- for Petrichor. Was there you go? Yes, I just, Petrichor. I just thought that was. Back. I thought that was, nice. that was unneeded, unnecessary. I, what I well, what I liked about it is that is that the doctor sees them and he so wants to talk to them and he he had made the decision to not uh, not see them and it's obviously been years too and he he turns away and doesn't see them and I I kind of liked that it was strange to have it in that episode but given that it's the one episode where we don't have Amy and Rory in it it was sort of interesting oh there they are and they're getting on with their lives and he's just gonna back away i, I think it the, sad, the unexpected nice. aspect of it did catch me you know yeah which was kind of interesting and she's signing an autograph why is she signing an autograph oh she's and then we see i don't modeling. know you know mm-hmm. i kind of i kind of liked it only because we do drop them off in the what the previous episode right. and it's nice to have a little bit of callback there and see a they're doing okay without him and i think that's the real sort of blow. i feel like it's a it's a positive thing and a blow at the same time because he doesn't he wants to start and walk over to them and, and then then he stops when he sees the autograph and he stops when he sees oh she's doing well and oh they're happy and maybe i shouldn't interfere and it's part of this whole continuum with starting with the, the previous episode where he drops them off and then going through this going through his stuff with craig you know and realizing you know this is he's coming to the end of his road 
And then the stuff in the beginning of the finale where not only does he talk sort of about going to visit everybody, you know, uh, but he also he calls up the the brigadier um, oh. Lethbridge Stewart, oh, yes. yeah, and they they get that in the tip of the head into the fact that the actor passed away earlier this year, and but that's sort of what tips him over the edge where he starts to realize, you know, I think and I think there's a continuum there, right? He he did leave these people behind for a reason, right? That we'll I'm sure get into in a moment, but uh, this is all played into his decision to go, you know, to to go through with this whole plan that he has. I think we all have positive feelings about about closing time. But, well, Scott had a complaint, and I want to have a complaint now. Okay, go for it. <laughs> oh. You got one complaint per episode, John. Don't squander it. So this is like a more of a meta complaint. Uh, this episode, when it started, I thought, oh, this is going to be an episode about Craig, kind of like how the Lodger was, where it was like centered on him, and the Doctor was there, but it was it was centered on non Doctor characters. They do those episodes occasionally, uh, and when I see episodes like that, I always compare it in my head to the best non doctor centered episode blink well that's not really it's the best episode of the show (laughs) i know i know it is kind of unfair but it's it's amazing to think that this episode that everybody loves is not heavy on doctor or anything like this it's still clearly a doctor who episode so i thought they might have gone in that direction with this and that's where i see like the rory and amy showing up as like them undercutting themselves like you can do an episode with just craig or maybe even just craig and the doctor Don't bring those guys back in because it, it it doesn't seem like they have the guts to they wouldn't have the guts to do a blink like episode anymore because people would say where's Rory where's oh, Amy where's no, the doctor? I, disagree. I don't think so I think that was part of the overarching plot I think there was that was deliberate I mean it was yeah I mean we're talking about the penultimate episode I know that, I mean have it, it to is, lay ground it is a weird placement for this thing but when I saw the episode I, it reminded me of those one, oh. uh, ones that I liked where occasionally you could do an episode without those people and just have an interesting sci fi story it's almost as if Doctor Who and his companions pen them in from making the interesting sci-fi stories that yeah. we might want to see. You so know what, what they've done the last couple of years is break those in two. And so this year, what, what you had was the girl who waited, where the Doctor basically is only in one scene outside of the TARDIS, and the rest of it is Amy and Rory. And um, and then the other half of it is this episode, the closing time, where Amy and Rory are only in one scene. And presumably, I think, these two episodes were shot in parallel so that they could bank two episodes at once. I see. Um, whereas with Blink, they, they, you know, the Doctor and Martha are in two scenes and, you know, they shot it concurrently. So they've done this companion light episode and a Doctor light episode. And that's what The Lodger was. The Lodger last year was also, um, the Doctor was oh, in Amy it, but was not yep. Amy. Right. She was only ever on the TARDIS. So it, it is kind of like, but, but it is off format a little bit. And you're right. I think, I think when the show goes off format, it is, um, it, it gets really interesting and that they should, they should be, uh, you know, free to well, they, do that. They generally do about one a season. Yeah, one or two, but it, mm-hmm. it's good. I mean, and like the, like Blink is the best example, John. And I've said to people, Blink's like a Twilight Zone episode. You don't even need to know anything about Doctor Who to enjoy Blink because, you know, it, it, it's not really relevant to the show's continuity. In fact, the Doctor is barely in it. He's just some guy with a time machine. You can also argue that they're setting it up to provide for the opportunity to do more of these sort of standalone episodes now that the Doctor is underground and not technically living by the universe's standards. Right. But he's still alive. They did not clearly show in this in uh, closing time that when Rory walked out of scene, a I-beam fell from the roof and killed him, too. That was missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they needed that in there. Just outside, he was struck by a car outside. Yes. Exactly. So, was- so let's talk about... Um, Let's talk at least briefly about the God Complex, which was the episode I have complaints that, about the God is, Complex. Uh, hotel, oh, hotel from Hell. It's the Hotel California episode. 
Oh yeah, it's it's a it's the a shining episode. It's yeah. the Star Trek Hollow Shed goes crazy episode practically. When taken at face value, this episode was was interesting. And kind of fun, and it's like okay, you know, monsters, and they're chasing around the hotel. Creepy and then clowns. once they got to the like the last, yeah, once they got to the last five minutes at ten minutes, they're trying to explain what this all is and why the praise him and everything. Then my head just started to hurt, and I'm like, wait, uh, okay, yeah. so you're doing the Minotaur and the maze, and I, you know, again, I like the mythology, but this felt so tacked on and so completely out of left field that I left was left very with a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I kind of liked it. I like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that uh, what's that that character, the doctor, nurse, or whatever they were setting her up to be a replacement companion. Yes, I, I thought, oh, that'd it, be but it was way too. It was too it was obvious. I feel is. it was more like he he started to crush on her and be like, "You could be my next prison. You're so smart. Yeah, I Why found can't that creepy. You be smart? I, c- I can ruin your life. <laughs> yeah, she dies." <laughs> I well, I like, should, and I, I like that there's that pulling out of the rug where, you know, even the smart people, you know, mm-hmm. the people that the doctor thinks, you know, are, are are worth it essentially still don't get out all the time. I kind of enjoy I, I kind of like this whole I kind of like this whole episode. I don't know. It, I think because I was very immersed in it from the beginning because of the way that they just sort of drop you in and there is no explanation of what you're going on, of what's going on. And so and it is kind of creepy, right? There is some, yeah. the stalkingness and like that guy with all the the room with all the, the dummies. ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> the clown. I mean, there's a clown. Yeah. Ah! There's a clown. I mean, just a clown that's just sitting there, though. Right. Like and it, it, it's I found it, you know, largely understated for an episode and not necessarily the most original idea like. Like there's there's rooms for all your fears or whatever, but I don't know. I, I there was something effective about it for me, and I didn't. I, I I understand the complaints about the last five minutes. At the same time, it was kind of nothing more than a passing sort of interest for me, where it's like, oh, okay, all right, it's this thing. Okay, let's move on. That's not really the point. Again, isn't the twist yeah. good though? That that it's not the rooms are there with with full of your fears in order to kill you. The rooms are there full of your fears. In order to have you have to rely on something on faith. to get you through, and then it was once extremely it, convoluted. Once it finds that, it eats that, and you, and then you die, right? Which is well, yeah. I know it was convoluted, but it was interesting in trying to be different. And I, I saw some discussions on the internet about how they thought that 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 feeding on faith, a monster feeding on faith, is a is a sort of anti-religious statement. And I thought. Uh, you know, I, now that I've mentioned this stupid thing from the internet, I'm going to beat it up because I don't, I don't actually agree. I think that the the point here is, first off, it's it's an evil monster that eats on eats your faith, but um, that that they tried to be broader than that. I liked the whole aspect of it having to be that you know Amy had to lose her faith in the doctor. Right. I I liked that that sort of flip side around it. Well, it's a nice setup, and it's also – it's the doctor seeing just how badly he's – he thinks that he's ruining people's lives. (laughs) And he's like, well, you – I'm not going to save you. I can't save this girl who I potentially could have been my next companion. I can't save anybody. I'm going to drop you off and prepare myself and go away. And I think there was also – they were trying to do a parallel between the the Minotaur beast being old and – you know, yes. just trying to make his way. They, they were trying to do it. And I saw I saw all the pieces. Like, I, I liked the the first 40, 
you know, 30 minutes of the episode, and I liked the pieces that they were trying to put together. I just don't know if it succeeded yeah, maybe, entirely. Maybe better on paper than in Yeah. Paper it's like a Doctor Who episode recipe, because it's always like one part <laughs> strange situation, yes. one part uh, thing with Rory and Amy's relationship, one part overall mythology leading towards the finale. And when they get the mix right, it works out. I, I definitely agree that all the ingredients were there, but the mix was a little lumpy. Right. I will say this, though. Great direction. I don't know what, how yes. that fits into your yeah. metaphor. I, I guess whoever was running the 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 mixer did a good job um, well and the production the production was really yeah it I looked, mean, just, looked it good it looked nice fantastic it looked eerie and creepy and the, those two episodes that were directed by the same director because i think he directed the girl who waited to really liked them visual just some stuff that you, we haven't seen in doctor who that was like you know really striving to to provide some a different look and in this one you had the the security cameras and yeah, the security cameras were great. Both of them did a really yes. good job of being very internally consistent and in creating these worlds that were incredibly distinct. I love the claustrophobic feel of the of the of the hotel with the the stairway and the, with the TARDIS on it, and then oh. it was gone. And, and, and the TARDIS is and we start and we start there, and and like like you said, Dan, the um, just you dropped in. I, I mean, I actually love that when Doctor Who does that, where where you're like, whoa, where are we? Why are we doing this? You know, instead of having it be. Hey, we're in the TARDIS. Let's go somewhere. This place looks interesting. Let's go out the doors and have an adventure. You know, I kind of like it when they yeah. don't do that. <laughs> well, they walked out, right? Yeah, like you said, they disappeared. They walk out like there's, you know, a minute. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should go. Oh, crap. Yeah. We can't. It's. I thought they got the verisimilitude of the hotel just right. Since all of us have attended many conferences and been in <laughs> the endless hotel corridors. Yeah, all... full, of, uh, full of ventriloquist dubbies. Yeah, I mean, that happens the all the weird time. weird designs, yes. Yeah, and you're like, oh, and they did that. And I started to have, this is why I could never watch The Office, either the UK or the US one. Is I've, I haven't worked in offices like that, but it is too similar to experiences I've had where I start getting the palpitations. I'm like, I, I, this yep. episode has got me like, oh, the endless hotel room. <laughs> I did want to give a shout out to uh, the 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 cowardly aliens who I really hope appear in future episodes <laughs> because conquered. I love well I love the idea right where they're the, if you they're think the about original them, surrender monkeys yeah well if you think <laughs> about them not even is just they surrender to infiltrate and I love that I love that concept and I really hope that actually yeah that's another that apparently famous uh, actor. From the David, David, David Williams. Williams. Oh, a little little Britain guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that we don't recognize. Plus, he was dressed up like an alien. But so, um, let's talk a little bit before we go about the season as a whole. Um, we did this last year, and I think it's worth doing again uh, to go around and uh, maybe ask for what your favorite episode of the whole season was. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to beat on something that your least favorite thing in the in the season. Um, and I guess I'll start because that way you guys will have time to ponder while I while I uh, talk about my favorite thing. I, I think my favorite episode of the season is, um, you know, the Neil Gaiman episode is obvious, but I, I guess I'll say instead, just to be less obvious, less let's kill Hitler because it was such a misdirection and it was wild and crazy and um, had the crazy ship with the little alien people inside. Um, it, you know, but I, I like the game in episode two. Uh, I like most of the Moffat episodes other than I, I think the, the, the two parter at the beginning, the, the second part of that wasn't so, so great. So, um, and then my least favorite 
this is going to be everybody's going to say this, but that pi- the pirate episode <laughs> yes. was no, just that's my favorite. Was I just, love no, no, Dan loved off. that. Dan loved that episode. No, I did not. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the All one. Right. That was yeah. you know. All right, uh, Ren. What do you think? What were, what were your favorite and least favorite things about? You this stole season? my favorite. Uh, my favorite, hands down, is Let's Kill Hitler. But um. Oh God! What was my second favorite? I'm oh, you can you can just vote with me. <laughs> I, well, I, with okay. Me. <laughs> I will chime in with Jason uh, because let's kill let's kill Hitler was I still have quotes banging around in my head from that from that show from that episode. I love the characterization of Mel's as Melody Pond much much more than I liked the Melody Pond is River Song revelation in Good Man Goes to War although I do have to shout out the first like 10 minutes of Good Man Goes to War because the Rory and everything was right. just very very well crafted and I will say I liked uh, on as the season as a whole I found when I was because I after I finished watching the finale I went back and sort of went through the recap, starting with the impossible astronaut. And looking at this, you know, with the exception of a couple of weird ones like Curse of the Black Spot, uh, the season was remarkably cohesive and it felt a lot stronger than last season with the Pandorica. It was a very cool kind of season finale. Everything comes together. But I felt like there weren't as many clues as there were this season. We really got – we got a lot of interesting concepts. Like we got a – we got – Flesh Amy, the ganger Amy, and we got uh, we got the sort of little independent episode, the Neil Gaiman episode with the TARDIS. We built a lot of background in addition to having a big a big bad story and and having a nice overarching plot. And they did they did a lot of really really good stuff in what twelve thirteen episodes. Right, thirteen episodes. What, you think it would have held held together better if uh, they had run them all through instead of splitting them in two? Uh, you know, I actually kind of liked the break because, I mean, if you if you went from directly from A Good Man Goes to War and the Melody Pond revelation straight into the Mel's uh, scenario, I kind of feel like we would get it from the get-go. Be like, wait a second, there's a new girl here. And we just had, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel I actually liked the, liked the space and liked the ramp up to two finales. All right. Okay, um, Glenn. What about you? Uh, I think I'm going to go with you know I'll do it. I'll do a two for just because I'm, I'm perverse. Uh, I think the Doctor's Wife I liked as a callback to the old Doctor Who serials that it it had such a feeling of like the Tom Baker era, but updated with like good computer graphics, a better plot, snappier script. But it was fun in a kind of chasing around the corridors way because they're chasing around the corridors. But I I thought it um I thought it was was a very strong episode in preserving mythology and just being hilarious and interesting and. And somewhat thought-provoking, but the girl who waited, I think, is the most emblematic. It was my favorite of the new kind of Doctor Who aesthetic, which is more intellectual and poses problems that are actually harder, unresolvable, and terrible things happen in sort of the hard sci-fi way. Things are unresolvable. Someone has to die in a terrible way. They never even exist. It's the worst, you know, it's the worst-than-death scenario of modern sci-fi is you've been erased from history or existence as opposed to just been killed. Um so there's no afterlife, there's no other kind of experience for you're gone except in memory. Uh, I think those two were the best. I actually thought this season, I would say, was 
um, bugged me because there were several episodes I didn't like. I didn't like the Flesh episodes at all. The Pirate episode I thought was terrible. Um, God Complex was sort of fun, but I thought it was thin. I did not like Night Terrors, so I thought there were some very strong episodes, and I thought there were some very weak ones that didn't even rise to my mind to like the Pirate one being like just enjoyable to watch. Um, some of the most enjoyable episodes were also some of the best, the ones that were just sort of rollicking and like the the closing to- uh, closing time. Yeah. But uh, but I think you know so not as strong a season I would think as uh, as Ren felt but um, but very strong episodes in the season. All right, Dan. Uh, overall, I I think I have to decide with the Let's Kill Hitler with a good man goes to war being a close second. Um, I like that two parter in general, and I agree with what Ren said about the uh, if you didn't have that break there, I think it would lose some of its impact. You know, if it was just like oh I can't wait to see what happens next week, but the fact that we had to wait you know a few months to figure out what happened, I think it intensified it. Um, overall, I think the second half of the season was a lot better than the first half, and maybe that's just I know that they rearranged some stuff, and maybe that's just you know how the the chips fell. But I found myself enjoying all the episodes much more in the second half, like Glenn. I thought the pirate episode was just atrocious and I didn't I didn't really even have fun with it. I did not like the flesh episodes really either. Um but you know, I guess I'm the lone person who liked most of the episodes in the second half of the season and I just sort of felt like I was much more immersed and invested in this story uh once that we hit we had that sort of mid-season finale and pickup. Um and I think that there's just overall, there's a lot to like about this season. I think, you know, in particular, some of the characters really came more into their own. Uh, Matt Smith's doctor is, is much more clearly defined. Um, I thought that I really liked the, the, the progress that, that they made with Rory going from a sort of two dimensional, like let's kill him off a lot character to, um, <laughs> to a character who I, I really liked, you know, when he, especially in the beginning of good man goes to war, I think that that's, you know, a character defining moment for him. I like that. They kept a lot of the stuff that they developed starting at the end of the last season for him. Um, and, and he's become one of my favorite characters because he is kind of hapless, but also incredibly, you know, pure just a good person right and i think that that is a a a, you know he's got a heroic quality to him in that sense and uh well i i feel like i can't really say much bad about amy pond so (laughs) maybe don't you dare i i wouldn't uh i'm a sucker fair enough um but uh, yeah overall i i think this season had more strong episodes i think it had some lower lows in the first season but also much higher highs all right, John. What about you? Wait, I need to put on my flame retardant headset now. Yes, Hold on a second. That's right. Okay, that's in place. Uh, I think season six made me appreciate season five more. <laughs> after after season five, you said, "Well, how is this Matt Smith doing?" I think I gave a positive review to oh. season five. But watching season six, like if you were to lay out the the arc plot. It's just like an outlined form of like here's what we're gonna do in the first episode we're gonna have the doctor die or apparently die uh, and then we're gonna and then we're going to introduce this concept of the flesh and then we're gonna have the flesh Amy and we're gonna have the baby and it's gonna be River Song and you know like if you just lay out those points I that those those are reasonable bones for a season's arc and then what I would have said if, if I was laying it out like that I say okay those are the bones of the thing but what is the season about I would have tried to make the season I think they did kind of try to make the season a personal story about the doctor. Uh, it's not about the universe being at stake. Rory and Amy's story pretty much was the previous season and that, that triangle situation. So, so we're not going to do, you know, this is, this is a season about the doctor. But then what they hung on those bones was a lot of a lot of raggedy stuff in there. Uh, I actually dislike Night Terrors more than I dislike the, the pirate episode, which is saying something. 
Uh, yeah, it's close for me too. Honestly, I really dislike that episode too. So yeah, yeah. And, and and the the, the individual. When they filmed pieces of the arc story, when they filmed like the revelation about the flesh Amy or the doctor dying or or any of those things that, that when they filmed arc pieces or the pieces of the river song, those segments were good, but they were spread too thin. I would have liked to see them made more dense to make room in the middle for good, uh, better for better episodes uh, with you know that that weren't so concerned with arc stuff, right? Yeah, uh, because like every episode that they wanted to have some interesting idea. They tried to hang the summer stuff on. So if I had to pick a favorite, I'm actually probably going to pick The Girl Who Waited, even though I, I dumped on that episode a lot. At least it was trying to do something different with the characters, with killing off the old Amy and that dilemma. And that's what I want to see from a... I know it's like, you know, fantasy, fairy tale, sci-fi, but from a sci-fi show, I want to see stuff like that. And if it's going to be character-driven sci-fi, then fine. We have an established character. You can make us care about killing the old Amy. Do more of that. Don't weigh those episodes down with the other stuff. Uh, and, and looking through the, the episode list here... On Wikipedia, I'm, I'm actually looking at the writers, which I normally take no note of, but I can see that uh, the, the episodes that Stephen Moffat wrote uh, are, I mean, it, it shows, I, I wouldn't say who wrote those, but like he wrote, uh, like, so let's kill Hitler and a good man goes to war, the, the opening two episodes and the finale. Yeah. And I think the level of the writing of those episodes, it shows that that's like a step up from the ones in between. Not that... Not just talking about. I think other than the Neil Gaiman episode, and maybe I mean closing time, which is sort of light and funny. Um, but I think you're right that there's definitely a, a, a difference. Uh, the, the Gaiman episode is the only other one where I'd say like, wow, that was really solid in a way that um, some of the others, like Night Terrors and the Pirate one, were not. Yeah, and the reason I say that makes me appreciate season five more is because season six has a like when I think back of it. I can still see season five moments more clearly in my mind than season six, you know, like season five, I can think about, oh, I remember that season. That was, you know, it just, it stands out more vividly for me. I don't know if the individual episodes were better or the way they structured it better, or it's because these characters were new and we were introduced to Amy and Rory then, but that stands out in my mind more than this season is kind of like, huh. man, it's kind of like some of the, the middle tenant seasons where he hadn't really hit his stride and uh, but also hadn't passed on to self-parody. He was just kind of like in this middling area. I'll say this about um, the uh, about the last season, about the fifth season, is that uh, I don't think there was any episode this season that was as bad as the Silurian two-parter last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think I'd agree with that. So so even the Pirates. Maybe Pirates. Maybe. Maybe Pirates. Yeah, maybe. Wait, Silurian was... How, yeah, no, it was... It's the thinness. You know, that's what bugs you is like they only do a limited number of episodes. Yeah, 13 episodes a season. They stretch you'd, them out. You'd you're think like, they would all be all be good. And instead, what you get is a couple episodes that feel like filler and a two-parter that maybe isn't really enough story to to carry two parts. And it, it is kind of a wonder. I mean, I understand they also have had a, you know, whatever, 20% budget cut because the BBC is going mm-hmm. through hard times. But it's always struck me that um, – if you've only got 13 episodes a year, wouldn't you think that they would all be really kind of carefully honed and crafted in a way that um, is not apparent that they are? <laughs> but, you know, budget cuts are an opportunity, though, because especially on a yeah. sci-fi show, if you get the budget cut, then, you know, you can shrink you gotta, down the scope of, of it. Like, think about, what was that, that one, Midnight, when they were, like, the whole thing was shot in that little transport on that planet? Yeah, that was, yeah, that's a, and which is a great episode. episode. I think The Girl yeah. Who Waited is a good example of that, where that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a cheap episode in many ways and yet looks like 
looks great because it's cheap and they got creative. And, and right. because you, if you don't have all that fancy stuff, then you're forced to come up with a good premise and a good story. And like, you know, that's an opportunity. Well, and we touched upon this in, in other places too. You know, we've talked about yeah, on some of our other podcasts, things like Star Wars, where like, you know, there are constraints breed creativity, right? You have mm-hmm. to think harder to get around the problems that you're going to have because you don't have any money and things like writing, which are, you know, arguably at a fixed cost, you know, that's, that's where you should be focusing. Well, so then again, I, you know, why why is it that in thirteen episodes of of finely crafted British entertainment, you have two, three, four episodes that feel like kind of, um, you know, inessential and uh, and almost filler? I, I it I still don't understand it. Well, it's the 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 um, writer's tale, the Mark the uh, Russell Davies book. I think that reveals a little bit of the pressure. I mean, he was doing he was doing show running for too many shows. He had too much going on. But I think there's there's sort of the constraint of how they put the show together. They try to hold it together too much, and they don't have the resources to both deliver the kind of pantomime entertainment that this is supposed to be with the campiness, but also now it's expected to have great special effects. Like we expect the CGI to look movie quality and not look cheesy and cheap. Um, I think all those constraints together, I, I don't think they can meet the the task for it, even I, though we like the best of the best yeah, episodes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree about that from the writing perspective, though. And and this is something that you know Russell, Russell Davis doesn't didn't do it like uh like Stephen Moffat does. Russell Davis uh, rewrote every episode, and Stephen that's Moffat true. actually doesn't. And and that's something interesting because as much as I can complain about uh, some of what Russell Davis did and some of the episodes that he rewrote, um, Stephen Moffat, you know, knowing that he doesn't rewrite other writers stuff um, is in some ways, I think an explanation why the seasons are less well, are more uneven and that there are more kind of the, of these clunker episodes. I I think there's a nice thing about that risk, which is you, you may get some episodes that have a voice that is different and that's good. And I think there are a few of those examples in his era, but you also, um, you run the risk of, of having stuff that sort of dips below the quality line. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I keep thinking, why don't, you know, and maybe they do this, but why don't they order several more scripts than they're going to use and then choose the ones that are the best? But Uh-oh. these may be the best. Maybe, maybe they do. <laughs> oh, it's no. entirely possible. I don't know. You know, I think they're trying to also, they try and tackle some interesting topics and sometimes those succeed wildly and sometimes they fall on their face. And I'd rather... I, I don't know. I'd rather that they have the freedom to experiment boldly and, you know, do an episode where there are pirates on a and a and a ship crashing into a fixed time point and you know, that's all cool on paper and it didn't turn out to be the best episode, but oh. it was still neat that they took the they took the chance. And it's better than would you rather have that and then have a flop, or would you rather have a Doctor Who episode that you've seen, you know, three or four years ago that follows the same basic plot conventions and is boring but is okay written. Okay, so this Scott, I need you. I need you to uh, chime in here. We got we got diverted, and, and, and we care about Ooh, your opinion. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really care. I did, much did, as much I, as it pains me to let my nemesis talk. Ooh, I did. I did. I just go thought you were going to skip over me. Who cares about my no. opinion? Uh, we love you. Oh, that's nice. So I, I will echo the sentiments. Professionally. Uh, well, <laughs> how much do I owe you? Uh, we, uh, I will echo the sentiments of uh, several other panelists and choose Let's Kill Hitler as my favorite oh. episode of this uh, season. All right, I'm changing my vote to Neil Gaiman then. There you go. No, Let's Kill Hitler. That's, let's, that's, let's kill Hitler. Yeah. 
it was good. It was wacky. It was uh, it had Nazis in it. Time travel. I guess they all have time travel in them. But oh yeah, we've gotten the Nazis. Uh, you know, hey, there's something to be said. They have nice uniforms. Um, motorcycles. Motorcycles. Not again. Oh they no. Shape shifting uh, robots, which is of course an important plot point, as we find out later. Yes. Uh, even though that angered me. Uh, uh, least favorite. Once again, I will uh, mention pirates on a spaceship. Uh, I will say I was glad at the the finale that the pirates in the spaceship did not somehow save the doctor. No, (laughs) imagine if that had happened. Oh, my God. That would have been pretty bad. I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, those pirates are going to show up again. Well, we had a moment there, right, where it's like, all of those people have come and chimed in and they want to help save you. And I'm like, oh, God, we're going to (laughs) see... It's it's going to be like Russell T. Davies' big finale, and right. we're going to see every everybody. alien suit that we still own and can pull out <laughs> of storage will be brought up to say, "Don't die, Doctor. We need you here with us in the Centauran Empire." What? Yeah, yeah. And the Jijun would come, and one would be shedding a tear, and they would say, "Mo, no, no, go!" Right. And yeah. Wow, you've let's written not, this episode in your head, let's haven't not, you? Let's not do that. Well, no, I've seen it. it it's <laughs> uh, it's and it's Last of the Time Lords and uh, the End of Time Part Two. Yeah. And Doomsday, and you know, right. And that's what I I was thinking when Red was saying, well, would you rather have an episode where these Doctor Who plots are recycled? And I'm thinking, well, that's almost every other episode of Doctor <laughs> Who at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's been on a long time. It has now. been. On, it, it's hard to break out of its formula, right? Years. Because it, it has this this uh, the weight of its own plot and fan expectations, and you right. want the, you expect the Doctor to do certain things, so they have to write that show. And sometimes you get crappy episodes. So now the the now comes the waiting because there will be a Christmas special that I believe they're shooting right now oh that, will be, uh, that will Merry be that will be here on Christmas. There's Day. a teaser. Floating around is there the a teaser? Oh, that's I nice. I believe so. I will feel teased when I watch it. I guess we'll have to do a podcast after it airs. Yes, I, I think I think I know what we're doing on Christmas night. <laughs> oh man! So two years in a row. So yeah, well, that would make it a tradition, wouldn't it? Um, and uh, some turkey, you know, some football if you're into that sort of thing, and some Doctor Who, you know, it's it's a nice thing. So uh, until Christmas, when we will uh, presumably do this all again, if we are all healthy and able to participate. And uh, assuming they could finish shooting and editing that episode in a matter of a couple of months. <laughs> Fingers crossed. A bunch of cuts. Yeah. Never know. It might say, it's a an Easter special about Christmas. Yay! Something like that. Uh, but anyway, so thank you guys for uh, participating in the Doctor Who podcast this season. It's been fun, even when the episodes have not been. Which, you know, Pirates and that other one with the kid. And the- Our, we'll never that's do what snarkiness is for. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I would like to thank my guests here on the uh, on the, the Doctor Who Club. We, we'll get little TARDIS pins later to signify oh. your membership. Um, I wear a fez. You have to buy them yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Serenity Caldwell, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Galan Fleischman, thank you. Thank you. And take that fez off. John Syracusa, thank you. I'm looking forward to another universe reboot next season. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You, you might as well, because... Uh, it's going to happen. You just know it. It's going to happen. Same as this one, just no ducks. No ducks. That's right. It's the, the no duck universe. Dan Morin, thank you for uh, for coming and for liking things, even things we didn't like. You're welcome, Jason. And Scott McNulty, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Until we meet again in the
past, present, future, and maybe even out of order. I'm Jason Stiller for The Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening. 